Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the show. 
Thank you for tuning in. I am your host, T. Love, here at Energy Awareness Radio, the founder and CEO of Soji Huggles Children's Foundation, a nonprofit dedicated to providing the basic necessities of life to underprivileged children. I'm also a board-certified integrated holistic health energy and sound therapist with a private practice in Sussex County, New Jersey, where Energy Awareness Radio streams to you live each and every week. Energy Awareness Radio is happy to be sponsored by Audible.com, a leading provider of spoken digital audio entertainment and information. Audible.com has more than 425,000 audiobooks and spoken word audio products to choose from, so you can listen whenever and wherever you want. Just download the title you prefer free of charge and start listening when you sign up for a 30-day trial at audibletrial.com slash energyawareness. That's audibletrial.com slash energyawareness. It's the second Wednesday of the month, listeners, and you know what that means. PAX is back to share more information. Now, this is part four of the series, and no, you do not need to have listened to the first three parts in the series because you can just listen to the, you know, the, the series in any order you prefer as each month we discuss a totally different topic, and they're all different messages from PACS as channeled by our guest, Carol Serene Borgens. Carol is a co-author with Penelope Jean Hayes of the book, Do Unto Earth, It's Not Too Late. Carol is a longtime medium, channeler, horse whisperer, practitioner of many metaphysical disciplines, and the author of numerous PACS channel books, which include two children's whimsical novels, and I've read them, they're wonderful, two books on the reality of COVID-19, plus one stating personal power will end the pandemic. And the most current PAX channeled title is the environmentally focused book, Do Unto Earth, It's Not Too Late. That is the basis of this 12-part series. So Carol continues to provide PAX channeled private reading sessions remotely, and she can be reached at carolsereneborgans.com. I'm going to spell that out for you. It's C-A-R-O-L-E-S-E-R-E-N-E-B-O-R-G-E-N-S.com. You can check that out after the show. So, Carol, welcome back to Energy Awareness Radio. As always, I'm so excited to have you here. How are you being? Before I start, how... How much I want to tell you, I enjoy your intro song. It is a <laughs> wonderful song, and it is a lesson. It's more than a song. It's a lesson for each of us to be thankful, to say thank you. First thing in the morning before coffee, you know, thank you for this day. So I appreciate your playing it. Well, thank you for that because I it just I, I sing it a lot during the day. I it just makes you think and and remember and be aware and bring you into your present moment and all the things, the goodness, no matter what the situation. I love it. It's very upbeat, so it gets gets us in the mood for the show, no matter what the topic of the show is. So thank you for that. <laughs> yeah, gratitude is what we all uh, need to show. Absolutely. Our topic for discussion today is First Nations wisdom and our relationship to the natural world. And these are messages you channeled from PACS, which can be found in your book, Do Unto Earth, It's Not Too Late. I mean, this book is just packed with so much information. It isn't even funny. This is why we're doing a 12-part series, because there's so much <laughs> we want to fetter out. It's just too much to do in one show. But PACS advises, as, as I read through this part of the book, 
although I read the whole book for the very first show that we did, it's hard to remember everything. So I had to go back and reread, and I did. And Pax advises for the readoption of the wisdom and ways of the First Nations peoples. And he tells us that these practices and mindsets show how we should be relating both to one another and the natural world with love and respect, kindness, and the knowingness that everything has a soul. And I found that to be the most profound part because it seems to me the more we find advancements in science and engineering, aeronautics, technology, the further we deviate from our spirituality, our purpose, and the growth of our soul. So having said that, it stands to reason that our souls, human souls I'm talking about, are not growing in a way that will allow the species to, let's say, sustain life for generations to come. That alone is all-encompassing if you truly think about the growth of your soul. And that, to me, seems the number one reason our world is going down a, a very, very slippery slope and we're doing it so quickly. Is that fair to say? <laughs> Oh, absolutely. We're not paying attention where we should. Um, there, there's so many factors um, that play into that, whether it be the individual person just struggling to get through a day, um, being told, you know, how to live their lives by bosses and, and corporations and government, um, disillusionment that people carry with them, and to to try to better themselves in their spiritual um, selves is just not something that enters people's minds. It is just not, you know, a soul-growing time, uh, I think, for most people today, beaten down by many aspects of daily life, including uh, being in the midst of a global pandemic. Um, while that is just a basically one-year-old problem, there's just uh, it, there's just so many factors in our um, our lifetime today that eliminate people's possibility to be looking inwards and growing their own spirituality and their souls. Pax does talk to us about souls greatly. He talks about looking back at the First Nations way of being, and as you pointed out, everything has a soul. Um, the, our First Nations ancestors spoke about the rocks and the rivers having souls, the trees and the air, if you will, all the animals, which is why they would give thanks for the soul of the animal giving itself to them for the purposes of being taken food and sustenance, they tell us that educating ourselves about the fact that everything has a soul would result in our showing love and compassion for all. What kind of a difference would that make in our world if we showed love and compassion for all? It would be incredible. It would be a reversal, don't you think? Yeah, I think it would solve all the problems actually, because people would then yeah. once you have yeah once you have compassion and you understand all that, it's compassion that allows you to take a step back, you know, and and that seems to be what we need to do, and not just 
in those regards, I mean, maybe a first step is, I mean, let's just look around. I mean, people are addicted to technology, and this just didn't happen yeah. overnight. It's been increasing over time, slowly, and then in leaps and bounds. In the past 10 years, oh, my God, this brought so much advancement in the way we communicate, and it's not all good. I mean, people are living on their phones, and I hear from my patients all the time how angst and stressed and, and overwhelmed they feel. And this is Hello. <clears throat> Hello. 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 Hello? Hello? <laughs> can you hear us? I do not I think can Carol hear you can. again. Okay, good. <laughs> you went I don't away. know what was going I don't know where I went. I was here. <laughs> well, I just heard a male voice say unmuted. And did you? <laughs> I don't know. No, I didn't. I didn't touch anything. But Neither anyway, did I. So, All right. <laughs> so glad you're back. Yes. I mean, what I was saying is that you know, if we look at the technology today and the advancement that we've had, regardless of FaceTime and, and Zoom, that we can't blame everything on COVID. Everything's added much to anxiety overall. And True. technology is great when it's used appropriately. But right now. It really kind of is not, you know, and the people that are abusing it and they're abusing it and they don't realize it, but they're paying the piper in a big way because they're becoming more overwhelmed and more stressed and more anxious. And, you know, that that's not great for it. It has a huge impact on relationships of every type, your spouse, family, friends, colleagues, the environment, Gaia, you know, I mean, seems to be shaking us off like fleas and I don't blame her one bit. It feels a bit like destruction of Atlantis, too much for our own good, abuse, and then annihilated themselves. So yep. are we on the fast track to destruction? It feels like we kind of are. Well, I think that we are. You know, Pax tells us in the Do Unto Earth book that environmentally we have 8 to 12 years before a fail-safe point is reached. Now, that does not mean it's the end of the world. It means until a fail-safe point is reached, after which it's really too late, uh, too late to reverse the damage we've done by polluting the air, all of the drilling and fracking that's destabilizing our earth, you know, cleaning up our streams and rivers, our oceans are in a very sad state. He talks about that. You know, that's just environmentally. What you're referring to also is our, our people, our individual states of, of dysfunction, and collectively our corporations and our governments. And, you know, Pax doesn't like to talk about it too much in the books, but it's there, and and I receive it in channeling separately. His his concern about corruption, corporate and government corruption, is just huge. 
um, mm-hmm. because that's where we, as a people, are being led down the garden path, as the old saying goes. Uh, do we really know what's truth and what isn't truth when it comes to us from those who control um, the world's finances? We're in a state of not knowing, and I think that for a bulk of the population, that's a state they've been born into and expect that they will go through life uh, being in. And so, therefore, they don't question. They don't uh, take their power, and that's, that's an issue. That's what you're referring to as well. Yeah, I think the younger generation is beginning to take power in a big way because, you know, our world is not as advanced as we believe. Again, we have technological advancement, but when it comes to what really matters and how to preserve what matters, we're sadly lacking. And unfortunately, it always seems to take some big disaster somewhere before we realize the impact and determine something needs to be done differently. But once that's taken care of, we seem to go back to our ways, and the same disaster happens somewhere else in the world. So we're not (laughs) learning. It's true. We're not learning. And that's That's not advancing. That's ego, apathy, and greed. And unfortunately, we do find we have a trust in the people in power, figuring they're taking care of us because that's their job. But when it comes to ego, apathy, and greed, that's their job. It's not necessarily taking care of the people and the planet. So advancement is learning from mistakes, making changes so you don't repeat them. But we don't seem to be doing that very well. You know, we need to make the changes so we can survive and and that's going to take a heck of a lot more than, you know, just saying, okay, we fixed that oil spill, now move on, and everybody forgets about it. Do you know what I mean? Oh, complacency is a terrible thing. Uh, you're absolutely right. And I, I expect it's because, you know, the average uh, person just doesn't know what the solution is. So they're yeah. relying. They're relying on their elected officials, the people that own the companies, that own the ships that spill the oil. Uh, they're relying on them to do the right thing. Um, I'd like to think that that's part of their job, but I think over uh, time it's proven it's not. Um, their job is the bottom line. Their job is to make money for the shareholders. Right, right. But each of us individually can do our part. You know, I think that even though people think, well, I'm not doing much, you know, it does, the little bits that we can do will help an awful lot. We can recycle better, you know, appropriately. Uh, We can respect our land a whole lot better than we are because we're not doing that. And that's what the aboriginals did do. They respected the land, and they asked permission of the land. And we just seem to take and take and take. And we don't give back. And it's, you got to give back, or you got to replenish. Yeah, absolutely. And we don't. We don't respect the land. Uh, You know, they they have also a, a pattern of asking permission to pass through uh, another's territory. We would never think of doing that on the traditional territories I'm referring to. As they leave their own and and want to cross another um, Aboriginal band's um, traditional territory, they ask permission. Um, it is it is that kind of respect for all things that separates them from us. And we can get there. We can 
we can return to that. And it's what we're being asked to do. Uh, Pax talks about the ability for each of us to make a difference in this world. It, we can. Um, we're, we're simply asked to know know our own strength and, and speak our truth to power. And in terms of our Native Indian, our Aboriginal, our First Nations people, our ancestors, we can learn so much from them. But I also think that we we have to reach a point where we're comfortable in asking. Um, too often we think we know everything. Too often mm-hmm. we think that there's nothing to learn um, from others. And particularly there's racism involved here. And, yep. you know, we need to get over that um, because really I, I, I think, I feel that our First Nations ancestors are superior to to us in so many ways and there is so much for us to learn well and part you bring up racism okay so this is good because we're we're all aboriginal peoples in all parts of our world star seeded in it from from a specific place so if that's true are we then all related through dna more than we think we are Oh, I think so. Um, although, um, you know, Pax talks about being star-seeded from different cultures from different areas, and so that our DNA may not be that um, that similar in, in that regard. This was to be a planet Earth experiment that our alien ancestors set up. And we're told that's why we have cultures that are so differing in size, shape, color, language, traditions, cultures, all of it. Um, And yet, we're all one people. We really must consider ourselves to be all one people. There's an, um, the late Native American author Richard Wagamese referred to us and titled one of his books, All One Drum. We are all one heartbeat. We're all one drum. If we could believe that and if we could act in such a way as as to live it, we'd have no warring and no racism because we're brothers, right? But we don't we don't act it. No, and that's unfortunate because the common denominator among all the First Nations peoples seems to be the respect and the kindness to each other, the equality of each other, and the respect and kindness to the animals and to Earth as well. That seems to be throughout. When you look at anything, they respect all creatures. All They understand everything has a soul. And so that, regardless of where they, they came from, I mean, I've always thought, you know, if we're star-seeded, these people came from great distances to get here, and it couldn't have just been curiosity. They were probably looking for a new home and a place where they could live and thrive, and they thought, oh, look, here's a planet. Let's try Earth. And then Earth became a cosmic <laughs> experiment, and, and we're messing it up big time. But I think that a lot of the – I would think that a lot of the aboriginals do have a lot of the same – beliefs, I guess, not necessarily religious, but the same beliefs that 
you know, we're all one. We all are connected. And, and nowadays, people should understand this completely because of social media, because of the fact that we get news so quickly. When you start to feel compassion, that's what we're connected by. It is not love because love is too personal. It is compassion, which is a form of love, yes, but compassion is what connects all of us. And, you know, if you can see that when you say something or do something, it affects another person, it's also affecting you because everything is energy. So I kind of have to wonder, you know, where we still have people who are First Nations peoples here, descendants. We did a lot to them. Every culture has stolen land from them, has killed them for no reason. We've had wars with them. I mean, the United States, we came over and said, we're just taking it. We're just yeah. taking over. And we did. And yeah. that, that's just mean. How do we then go back and say, will you help us? Cause, and given that these people have the beliefs they have, I firmly believe they'd say, yes, we would love to help you. But as a human being, I'd be like, I don't know. You did an awful lot of damage to me and my people. I'm thinking I might not want to help you. But they look at it as helping the collective whole. And when you help the collective whole, you're helping yourself too. So, I mean, what does PAC say about that? They, I'm sure he's saying they would be agreeable to helping us and showing yes. us if we didn't put our egos in the way. Absolutely. And that's, that's the key, um, the egos. They're a culture based on respect for their elders, their traditions, for Mother Earth, for all life. And they understand that they belong to the land. They do not own it. They are mm. stewards. They are stewards of the land. And they treat Mother Earth in such a way that she's in equal or better condition when they move on to another hunting ground, for example, um, so that those who come along after them can enjoy all of the resources they're forgiving understanding and if they live their traditions um they have gentle ways of of dealing with people like us who have been so um you use the word mean that's a good one have been so mean to them over the years you know, with the residential school systems and the removal of their culture and language, they've lost a couple of generations of their culture and their language. But they're coming back to it now and uh, would would welcome, I mean, if, if, if you look at, at the leaders in uh, First Nations um, wisdom ecology studies right now, they're longing to be able to share the practices that they've been able to utilize to keep Mother Earth in pristine condition until we came along, uh, took the land, and begin to pillage and plunder. Uh, so yeah, uh, I say yes. They they do teach. Uh, I I live on the west coast of of British Columbia in Canada. And our First Nations tribes are plentiful up and down the West Coast. And they have become a part of our culture, all of us. And they are very forgiving and very loving people who recognize what we're doing um, that needs to be changed in terms of protecting Mother Earth and have in place their teachers and their 
traditions to share with us the moment we ask. That's all we have to do. And if we did ask and if we did adopt um, some of their ways of of going forward with our resources, um, protection of the resources, particularly uh, the fish, um, the trees, the forestry, um, the soil, the air cleaning, there are ways. There are ways, and they want to share with us, by all means. Excuse me. <coughs> yeah, so yes, all we need to do is ask. Yeah, but we need the people because my walking up to a reservation and saying, hey, can you help us? Nobody's going to listen to me necessarily, but it's the people who are in power that we put in power that need to go and do the asking. And I think ah, the pressure's on and they don't necessarily want to do that because, once again, it comes down to greed and apathy and ego, you know, and, and that seems to take precedence overall. And that's not the way the job is going to get done. And it's a very daunting task, especially if we've only got eight to 12 years to try to wrong to write this wrong or begin to try to write this wrong the little bit that we do you know in, individually can help but overall we need that power how how do we get our governments to do that well you know i think i think before we um try to consider what we have to do um as a as an action, uh, we need to consider first changing our mindset. All of us, I think that's our our step number one. Um, and Pax talks about that. It, we need an attitude adjustment. We need to understand that we have failed with our Earth. We've had people over the years point out exactly what was going on. How long ago did Al Gore write The Inconvenient Truth, produce his film, which was one that showed um, the melting of the glaciers and so much more? Nobody believed that. Nobody wanted to hear it because it was scary. We need right. to change our attitude. And if the first thing... I mean, we can change our own, but you're quite right. How, how then do we approach the corporate giants um, that don't want this to happen? And then, of course, there's the government leaders that answer, in many cases, to the corporate giants. So it's yes. a nasty circle, isn't it? Yeah, it is a vicious circle. It's a vicious cycle. And, and it's, uh, it's, as I said, it is a daunting task. So does PAX have any suggestions as to how we can go about it. I do think the younger people are trying to to live differently and see things differently and and do things in a different way in many areas, especially environmentally. A lot of kids who are graduating from college want to work for companies that are philanthropic, companies that are environmentally conscious. They don't want to work for other companies unless they get that way. And so they may be the leaders of tomorrow that will have to do it. But again, we've only got 8 to 12 years, and that's a little scary right there. I think so. <laughs> well, it is. Um, I think that to find our voices is our first step. Not not everyone is a, is a Greta Thunberg, but everyone has a voice. And Acts wants us to think about that. Each of us has a voice. Each of us can use it. Um, we're not alone. 
we band together with other like-minded individuals and we become a united voice, a unified strength. That's what Pax wants us to realize we can so very easily do. Um, it's taking the first step. Hmm. Now, I know that he also talks about the way the First Nations people are healing land and I'm going to use the word building or invoking maybe because I'm an energy therapist, energy fields placed around land so that it won't be touched or harmed. And I, I like that. I, I like that because I think that is something that does work. And, and I was wondering if you could elaborate more on that and what Pax is talking about when he says that so that people can understand what that means. Uh, yes. <clears throat> I think the word that comes to mind first is intention. They yes. have the intention to protect that piece of land, and they know that they can set up an energy field. By the way, each of us can. We each have the ability through our intention uh, to do so. And because it's not understood uh, readily by the rest of us how they do that, um, it is, in fact, very successful. When they set up the intention that there's going to be energy, uh, protective energy around a site, that is exactly what happens. It, it's... Um, it's hard to explain, but Pax talks about it as though it's a um, an invisible fence, if you will. It's a place where um, there is discomfort um, with those who want to trespass onto that land for purposes that are are less than uh, healing, if if I can say that, for that particular area, and may want to to uh, dig down and decimate that piece of land. They, they will feel that there is um, resistance. And, you know, we, we can look back at ancient civilizations who some people will say, well, they, they cursed that particular mm. piece of land or building. Uh, and still today, uh, people are afraid, local people are afraid to go near it. Those energy fields will last on. And the First Nations people are and have um, utilized that for the protection of some of their sacred ground. And, you know, I don't think it was widely uh, utilized, and, and, but I think it is today uh, to, to a certain degree. I think it is. There are a lot more people. I'm an energy therapist, so I understand that. And I've done that with my labyrinth where, you know, I asked when I walked around my yard, where should I put this labyrinth? Where should I put this labyrinth? And I was given a sign and built the labyrinth where I was supposed to put it. And people who walk my labyrinth will come out and say, oh, my gosh, I just don't even know. It's sacred ground. It's sacred ground. And it is. And you can do that. I mean, people have stood around water and, and made water clean just by intention around yes. a pond or a lake. They have done that. This is documented. It's been proven. And you can do that. And, and I understand what you mean by 
some people say it's cursed. It's not cursed. It's just that something will happen so that you will walk away and not disturb the earth in a way that you're intending to because your intention going in is to extract gold, find the buried treasure, dig it all up, not put it back, not give back, just take, take, take. And rather than doing that, you put up an energy field that allows it to just, you know, just do something so the people know that's not there and they walk away. And that's not a curse. (laughs) <laughs> if if you take the word curse out and replace it with the word protected, yeah, that describes yep. they have protected a site, whether it be um, a sacred burial site or sacred in any other way uh, to them. Um, protected, we call it a curse, uh, which means I think that, that came- things. Yeah, I think that happened because of because of Egypt and people, you know, digging up tombs and and all of these traps and things happening so they wouldn't yep. get to the to the mummy. That they called that curse. It was their way of protecting so the dead wasn't disturbed. You know, why do you want to go dig it up anyway? Well, you know, I mean, really, leave the person, let them rest in peace. They've probably been back 40 times anyway. But it's just a mummy. But people, because, again, it comes down to everything is money-driven. It comes down to greed. It comes down to ego. I've got the best way to do it, and I'm going to get it, and I'm going to be the winner, a big, big man in the world, a big woman in the world. And apathy, they just don't care what they leave behind. And That's, that's true. And, you, yeah, those mummies were buried with treasure generally yeah so Mm -hmm. of course it's greed again it's greed and ego combined yep Yep. it is you know greed ego and then the apathy of not fixing well we're in this we're in a very sad state in this world of ours honestly pax pax has all sorts of guidance for us to find our way out of this but really there's so much learning for us to do about what is what is really important to us? We each have to ask ourselves daily, I think. Was this really important to me? Is this really important to the world? You know, should I be doing this? How, how am I handling uh, my actions? Am I doing this for the highest and best good? What will come of it? I don't think we do that. Too many people just... Um, just go forward at high speed without thinking about um, how how it affects others. There is very little compassion. Mm-hmm. And the the problem is that those are the people that are usually in leadership positions, so the people underneath them cannot possibly say anything for fear of losing their job, not being able to get another one, you know, somehow being punished, if you will, for what they say, like, wait, just take a step back. Before we do this, this is what it's going to do. We don't care about that. We're just going to tear everything down and build this big corporate building because that's what we want to do. Okay, well, this is why we've put into place you have to have a certain amount of grass area. It's not enough. It's just not enough. And if you look at what COVID has done in the past year, so many people are working from home. These buildings are empty in these big cities. Nobody's going to work. Nobody's working in a building. You know, a lot of people are still working from home and they're moving to other parts of the country that are more rural because they realize, hey, I can work from home. So now you, you, you destroyed all this land, you built all these buildings, and now they're just empty buildings. So what's to come of that? I, I, think, that's, I think that's the hard part. We're at, a, we're at a real crossroads here with what do we do and how do we do it so that everybody feels good about it and, it, and we can just 
allow people who have this huge ego to have things their way and it's the right way and the only way to kind of step out of the way and say, you know what, I need to take a step back. I've been wrong. It's hard for them to admit they're wrong. Yes, it is. And I think that's where we come back to the need for each of us to claim our voice, claim our power, and speak truth, and speak it collectively. Um, We often think we can't make a difference, but we can as individuals, and even more so as we begin to speak our truth and attract other like-minded individuals to join us, which is what PAX is asking us to do, to, to speak the ways that we can rise up and have our voices heard. Uh, collectively and the awareness I think has grown significantly uh, among our population about what what's really important uh, in in our lives and I think that there has just been so much corruption again in in governments around the world people are looking differently at their leaders and they're not looking at them as, you know, golden-haired beings anymore. They're all flawed. They're very flawed. Uh, even the good ones, you know, have, have some flaws. And I think that that's becoming a greater realization, just, just you know, along with the fact that what you just said, uh, the whole shift in the working world in corporations The downtown office buildings are all but empty, and people are learning that they can work from home, and the spin-off benefits are such things like having family time, that, you know, everyone eating together, um, which is quite foreign uh, in many people's lives because their kids are running off to... um, lessons and sports and they pass like ships in the night um whereas now this is a regrouping for people i think it's reestablishing what's really important and that's family and love and learning what really makes a difference in their lives and perhaps the demands of the job are just not going to land on them as important as they used to and um that shift continues i think and pax talks to us about the importance of waking to it seeing it realizing it for what it is feeling it and knowing that's the right thing make for us to make these changes in our lives and give less credence uh perhaps to our working life and more to our family um, and our extended family. That is what will benefit us, and that's what will ultimately benefit the world because that's the beginning of using compassion on a daily basis instead of just thinking you're late for work, and that's really the most important. It's not. No. And and it's a shame because then time goes by, you end up at a point in your life where you say, okay, what am I doing? And now it's time to regroup and rethink. And I think many of us are, are doing that. It's like once we're over this COVID thing, I need to move on. I need to fix my life and move on because it's been too much of whatever. And now I have to do things that are going to be right and feel right for me and my soul's growth because this is all about growing your own soul. And you can't grow your own soul when you're – 
you're, you're in a position where you're around people that are negative or where you just don't feel like you fit anymore. It's like, it's just not working. I need more love. I need more time. I need more, you know, to do, to make myself feel purposeful and fulfilled. And like Pac says, he says, look to the past to see the future ways and the ways of our Aboriginal peoples is how our planet does best. They were very family-oriented. They were very take care of the tribe, if you will, and, you know, and move forward from their hearts. And this is something we talk about a lot here on this show. You know, come from your heart. Come from your heart. There's only two emotions, love and fear. And if you come from your heart, you know you're doing the right thing. If you're coming from fear and doing things because you feel like something's going to happen if you don't do it, that's not good for you, and it's not good for anybody else, and it's putting out negativity. And the whole thing is about putting out positive vibrations so that things will, you know, everybody will vibrate higher and think differently. That's what makes it work. That's how energy works. That's how you're able to put up an energy field around land or anything else. You know, I've had people come to me and say to me, hey, if I get sick, can I move in? And I'm like, no, you can't move in. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, but it's so peaceful here. Well, it's the energy. It's all the energy that's here. And, and how when you move into a space, you call it your own. Some people may sage. Some people may, I don't know what else they'll do. But, you know, maybe they say the rosary in every room. I have no idea. I just walk around and say, hey, only God light entity here, you know, and then do the work that I know to do and try as best as possible to come from your heart. But I think the younger generation might be doing that now. Look at the kids that are being so especially through COVID, they're so philanthropic, they're so much the humanitarian, you know, and wanting to help other people, the UPS driver, the mailman, kids who are yep. hungry, setting up lemonade stands and money being raised for, and they're not taking any of it. They're very, very altruistic, and that's, that's a really good way to be. So even though we only have 8 to 12 years to our pivot point, I think that what Pax, from what I read in the book, it seems to me Pax is saying it's not too late to heal our planet. And, and he does say that there will be things that will happen in the next 50 years that will be totally different from now, which leads me to believe if he's telling us about 50 years from now, we're still going to be here. But we have to make those changes. Yes, yes. And, you know, you, you touched on the point about the First Nations people's society. They were a society of peace and wisdom, built on peace and wisdom. And they were all one, all one drum. And they had ways of molding their troubled youth um, without um, banishing or terrible punishment. They were just filled with wisdom in how to manage human nature. And that's part of what, what we can certainly learn from them. Um, today, these, these young children you're referring to, they're just an inspiration. Um, these kids that are raising money, they are so wise beyond their years. And, you know, we believe they're, they're seated here. They're the ones that this planet needs right now. Uh, to guide us going forward because they're the ones who are not afraid to speak their truth. They see what we don't. They see what's wrong. And as they grow, they'll have ways of uh, fixing it. And we'll be following their lead despite the uh, 
disparity in ages. We'll be following them because I believe they're here because they know the way. Yeah, I believe they're here to help save. I believe that's why they're coming in. Um, there is a, a passage in the book I'd like to read, if I may. It's how how Pax responds to Penelope's question that if on the flip side we implemented all his suggestions and wisdom and began now to follow our hearts, trust in ourselves, stand up to government and industry corruption, and be the change we wish to see, what would life on planet Earth be like in 10 years? And this is a question she asks at the very end of the book. And Pax says there would be a resurgence of the need to leave fossil fuel production, limit waste into air and water, and manage the earth resources, as did the Aboriginal and First Nations before you. Peace begins to be felt among world powers and is felt that the world's people wish to support each other in finding the best place for each in their development. And then Penelope says, and then again, in 50 years, and Pax says, your planet will be more quiet. There is not the warring that has been in history and the feeling of peace prevails in all things. There are bumps in the road, Still, but the driving force in industry and government is to take the direction of clean and quiet and good for all. And I think that's, that's the final message that he has. He says, love prevails, imagine, trust in this and go in peace and love. And I think that's probably something that we all need to look at, and I love that passage, but it's also if we implement the changes he suggests rather than just thinking, oh, well, everything's going to be good, so we'll just keep going on the way that, that it is. We ha- you know, because people do do that. They'll say, oh, he says it's going to be good, so there you go. I think one of the things to let go of ego that I learned a long time ago is so simple. It's so, so simple. And I think once you let go of ego, compassion comes in a lot more easily because you let go of what you want. And it's a, it's a simple formula, and it's just that if you – take comparison and you take out the judgment or take your judgment and remove comparison and add discernment, you will find admiration. And when you find admiration, then you can see the person's soul and realize we're all here for a different reason. We all have a purpose here. What is that person's purpose? And I think that's important when you talk to people to look at their eyes to see that you can you can have forgiveness just in a conversation that's not even going that well simply because you realize they're looking at it from a different perspective and I can't compare and I can't judge. I have to discern and admire. And that makes a lot of sense to me. And it just seems like that would be a start if people could just let go of ego. Absolutely. And for some, they don't even know what that means. So many people. True. But there's a, there's a prevailing mentality of let someone else do it, um, yep. referring to what Pat says about the next 10 years and the next 50 years. We can't let someone else do it. Um, we have to be responsible for taking some action on our own. And for the people who feel like they don't have the strength or the power uh, to make a difference, I wonder if I can read to you um, yes. a new channeling from Pax about that. Yes, he says absolutely. We w- Thank you. He says, we wish to speak on the ways in which your people may rise up and take back their power. We wish to speak on the identities people can assume, can reattach to themselves, as they have forgotten their power through many lifetimes. 
and ask your people to become the peaceful warriors for change they have been and can be again. It is not the time for watching and waiting. It is the time for action in your Western world and indeed all over the globe. Corruption runs rampant, and it is a sadness to us here as we see the big picture. We see around the globe, and we see into the hearts of those who will swindle the masses for their own gain. You have spoken of the Illuminati, and you have spoken of the controllers of finance and power. Now speak of the feet of clay that is their truth. They are not invincible, and they are not all-powerful. What is all-powerful is good and love, and the intention to rid the planet of this group that does a disservice to your people. There are ways to illuminate their true motives and shed light on the darkness they create around their personal power. It is fleeting in the universal ways of being, and the knowingness of their truths will empower your people to take that information out to the world. Spreading like ripples on the pond will be the energy surrounding the task of ridding the world of their power and control. It is to be the last hurrah, it is said, and this will show the domino effect when one falls and takes down those in the chain below. It is to be. In the beginning is the rise of questioning and the rise of personal power in individuals as a result of their answers received. There is a reversal of power and reversal of roles to come. Those wishing peace and planetary healing become revered for their love actions, while those flaunting wealth and control over all, well, they become seen for their insecurities and black hearts. The tide turns. The great shift in sensitivities begins, and planet Earth shades from dark to light again. Dark energy leaves as light shines upon it, and those dark souls leave as well, shown for what they are and left to their own desolation. Light resonates in the hearts and minds of the people as Mother Earth rebounds in wellness. Our Aboriginal and ancient ancestors rejoice in the drumbeat, the heartbeat of Gaia being felt flowing freely and joyfully once again. Aho, it is all one drum. And that is Pax's way of saying for us to take our personal power, use it to make a difference in our planet, which each of us is empowered to do. I think we have, since, since the start of this decade, which has only been a year and four months now, you know, 2020 was not the most fun year for anyone, but I think that a lot of truths have been coming out, and I think that the shift is beginning because of what the truths are that are coming out. And the truths have to come out, and things have to go to court or be solved or resolved in some way so that we can have the shift. I think the shift is starting. I think it was starting a couple of years ago with smaller smaller groups, and then last year we saw more and more, and it just feels like things are starting to change, and maybe the new normal, as, as is said, 
from COVID, when this is over, if you will, will prove to be a starting point for a better world. Would you agree with that, based on what Pax is saying? Are you feeling this oh, now? Yeah, yeah. Uh, those of us who feel energy uh, feel the shift has begun, in fact. And it's almost like people are lining up to to take their truth and begin to speak it and make a difference. Whether it's these little children that are the wise ones uh, coming at us or people reversing their ways of thinking, absolutely. It's the energy that is shifting and therefore it is shifting people who feel the energy. And to to feel empowered um, is is the beginning. And I feel it. Uh, I expect that more and more um, the the change comes, and more and more people who uh, really don't know what they're feeling will be, come mm-hmm. to recognize it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that's true. I have a couple of people that I talk to on a regular basis, and they're like, I don't know what I'm feeling, but I'm feeling something, something good's going to come of this. And I think, God, oh, they don't realize what they're feeling, but it is yeah. the shift. It is the whole shift of what is happening, and it will will come out better for it because out of everything horrific, you get something good. Something good does come from it. And and you might not like the way you're going through it, but the end result, you will be better for it. And people say that all the time. And I think even if you don't feel energy, you know, if somebody's not sensitive, those of us who are, are feeling it stronger and sometimes not in a good way. It can be, it can be very um, overwhelming and, and create a lot of anxiety. I know it has with me. And people think, oh, well, you're an energy therapist. It can't happen to you. Yes, yes, it can. <laughs> you know? Yes, it can. Uh-huh. You know, my, my, dear, my dear old mother had an expression. She, she used to say, oh, I, I, it feels like I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop. Mm-hmm. Yep. The other shoe to drop, meaning something's coming. I don't know what it is. But it's like, it's like I, I think this old expression comes from somebody's living upstairs for you, from you. They sit down to take their shoes off, and they drop one on the floor, but they don't drop the other one. And yep. you're, you're in the room downstairs, and you're waiting for that other shoe. You know that shoe is there. Yep. You, you know, know it's, it's going to drop, drop, but it's not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's true. And That's you, exactly where like, it comes from. And it's like you can't rest until you hear that other shoe. Right. Um, so... Uh, that's that's the way I feel about this. However, it's not a negative. It's a positive, the other shoe. Some people yes. equate it to a negative. Uh, no, I feel it's a very positive thing, and I feel it every day, almost all day. And I feel it in the way of a anticipation for something good to come. Now, yes. I also believe that there's going to be difficulties through this um, because there are people who won't go quietly. Uh, there are industries that won't go quietly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do we t- do we talk about um, the, you know petroleum and and digging coal out of the earth when fossil fuels are not really uh, needed or wanted anymore? There's a lot of that that's not going to go quietly, but. It's up to us, each of us, to provide replacements, to provide ideas. If if we don't want this happening anymore, then, you know, it's up to us to to help to determine what's going to take the place of that 
for example, fossil fuel. Um, we have to find ways, each of us. We just can't say, don't do that. Uh, I think we each have to find ways to help uh, say, don't do that, but consider doing this, perhaps. So we each have a responsibility, don't you think? I do, and I think pharmaceutical plays a big role in that everybody wants to pop a pill and call it a day instead of doing other things, but many people are turning to natural remedies and naturopaths and energy therapists like myself and, and saying, oh, I can see that this, hap this works, but the medical doctors have to get on board because, you know, it, it's a shift in perspective, and pharmaceutical owns half the country, and the NRA owns the other half of the United States, so, you know, we've got a lot going on here where it's not necessarily going to be easy, but the more people refuse different things and say, no, I'm going to go down this route, then maybe they'll see that healthcare will start to take a turn and say, okay, natural remedies are best. It is less expensive. Um, it works better. It's better for you as a person, as our plant-based diets, instead of, you know, uh, beef and pork and, and veal and, 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 uh, and everything else that we're eating. Um, and I think there's a whole lot to be said for that. But, you know, the fact that PAC says, you know, if we all just – we see the shift is here, and, and we're beginning to see it. I'm going to go with faith that humankind won't disappoint. I have to because I, I really want to have faith in mankind <laughs> that we're going to Absolutely. be better. Absolutely, and Pax also talks to us about having the power to decide what we're going to purchase in the store. And, we, yes. you know, as consumers, we determine actually what that store is going to put on their shelves because if we That's stop right. buying it, they're going to stop buying it and replace it with something we do want to buy. So now we're talking about things that are kind to the environment, things that are alternative food sources, and certainly going away from pharmaceuticals as a crutch and going to natural wellness, natural forms of healing, that's going back to our ancestors as well. You know, we don't know, uh, we don't understand the power of the plants, um, the right. plants for their wisdom and their healing. Um, but that's something we can know more about. And there are practitioners who will teach us and, and help us to learn that we can let plants be our medicine. Yeah. Sure, and there are people who say, well, that's an old wives' tale. You can't go out and get a plantation leaf and put it on a cut and expect it to heal it. Well, you know what? It's an old wives' tale that works. So I do go out and get a plantation leaf and wrap around my finger when I cut it. And it I did work. that. Yeah, there I you did, go. See, I, everybody knows that one. <laughs> well, I didn't, but when Pax channeled that, I don't know if it's in the book or not, but he channeled I that very thing. And I yeah. happen to have had a cut somewhere. And I went to the store and bought, you know, bought it, brought it home, scraped off that inside of that peel, put it on my cut, and wow, it healed. It was just yeah, it magic. Worked. Magic. Yeah, my grandma. My grandmother used to tell us that, you know, warts, you got warts, forget the compound W, take a potato and rub it on your, your wart, put a Band-Aid over it, and two weeks the wart's gone. I mean, you know, why not? <laughs> well, it's just, as, it's just the same as when you feel a, a cold or flu coming on. What do you do? You cut some nice thick slabs of onion, put them on the soles of your feet, put some nice woolly socks over, and go to bed. Okay. That onion, my mother used to call it draws. It draws, it pulls infection out of your body. And the next morning, the onions will be quite discolored, brownish. Throw them away and, you know, you'll feel better. Or 
put some fresh onion on there and, you know, repeat. But yep. these things were. The old wives' tales are based on fact, not fiction. That's how they've survived all these years, because yes. our grandparents and our parents utilized these um, these remedies, because that's all they had. That right. they, they didn't live next to a, a store. They could go and buy aspirin or, or get a, a prescription for antibiotic. No, they went out in the garden or the forest. They went in the forest. And a lot Magic. of our a lot of our drugs come from the rainforest. Like ten percent of our uh, prescription drugs come from the rainforest. So they're coming from plants. And I mean, aspirin comes from birch trees. So I think it's birch trees. And uh, so there you go. You know, that's it, it, they probably were eating bark, and it made them feel yes. better. And somebody decided to turn it into a pill form, and so we all take aspirin, and then it, it spread from there. But I really don't think that. Whatever the God is, whoever the God is, if anybody's understanding, if you believe there is a God or, or, or an entity that created this planet, that they created it so that we had absolutely positively everything that we possibly could need. We just have to find it. And we're not finding it the right way. We're doing it through chemicals and such, which isn't, you know, we have, I have this discussion with my husband sometimes. We both like cheese. But then we'll see a Velveeta commercial or a cheese with it. I'll say, that's not cheese. That's just a bunch of you know, all kinds of chemicals. chemicals they throw together in a log and, and it, it happens to melt. It could be plastic. It could be a Korean countertop for all we know. It's just <laughs> not cheese, you know. I mean, so, you know, there, there's a difference in what people will, but people will take whatever the, anybody says is edible. You know, it's edible. Go ahead, try yeah. it. I mean, they eat those rice happens cakes. And those, yeah. Genetically you know, modified, but edible. Yeah, in a big way, in a very big way. And so, you know, yeah. that's not that's not what we're talking about. But we're getting past the hour at this point, so we need to go. But before we go, I want to encourage everyone to go to PaxWisdom.com to learn more about Pax and his messages. There's so much you're going to learn from the books that are available through this site. You'll also find the links to both authors' websites. And please, please, please remember that Carol offers personal readings as well. So look into that. The readings are directly channeled from Pax, so you're getting information from source, which is very cool. And I thank you so much, Carol, for joining me here again on Energy Awareness Radio. It's been a pleasure as always, and I really look forward to having you back on, I think it's May 12th, I think, for another show um, in this series. It was wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you very much for having us, myself and Pax. It's just been a joy. <laughs> yes, and thanks, thank Pax for us as well. I, I didn't mean to leave him out. <laughs> oh, my. No, I, you know, he understands. <laughs> Okay, listeners, we need you to spread the word. We know you enjoy what you hear on Energy Awareness Radio, so please share it with your friends. We're living in a most unprecedented time that is proving to be challenging and life-changing for everyone around the globe. So please send the link to this show to everyone you know and let them have the same opportunity that you just had so they can learn and grow and make the world a better place for all. On behalf of everyone here at Energy Awareness Radio, I'd like to thank all our listeners for tuning in this evening. And remember, PAX discussions are part of a year-long series. We'll be back next month on Wednesday, May 12th with Part 5 in the series with Carol and PAX. So get that on your calendar now. For more information about me and my work or to schedule a remote energy session, please visit my website, quantumwellness.org. Also check out Soji Huggles Children's Foundation. 
great organization. 100% of everything that comes in goes directly to the kids. Nobody gets paid. Follow us on Twitter at NRG Aware Radio and at Soji Huggles. And while you're in your social media accounts, feel free to like us on Facebook, Soji Huggles Children's Foundation. I am your host, T-Love, here at Energy Awareness Radio, intending you and yours a most enjoyable week. Remember, living from your heart is quite easy. You need only give thanks to do so. Take care and stay well.
Thank you.